The views expressed represent the opinion of Modern Wealth Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. Modern Wealth Management does not accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, or tax professional prior to taking any action. Thanks for joining us on America's Wealth Management Show. As a quick heads up, all of the resources we discussed today will be included in the show notes for the episode. Just find the link for the resource you're looking for in the episode description. You'll find links to other episodes, articles, videos, and our calendar. Don't miss out. For those of you who prefer a visual experience, head over to our YouTube channel where we release a new episode on video and on demand. So be sure to check out the show notes so you don't miss a thing. Now, let's get to the show. The one thing that I must do before I retire is buy a bulletproof vest. (laughs) Why would I say that? Because my wife would kill me if I retired. All right, we're here on America's Wealth Management Show with Dean Barber and Bud Casper. Bud, we are going to talk about something exciting today. It's things that you must do before you retire. Yeah, this really comes to the core of, I think, uh, the purpose of the program is to help people uh, before retirement and through retirement. And this eight points that we're going to talk about are fundamental to what people need to know before they retire. So it's interesting, Bud. Now, you have a couple of years on me. People that are watching us on YouTube can actually see that maybe your hairline has receded a little bit more than mine, but I'm not too far (laughs) behind you. At a faster pace. (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, it's interesting. This this topic actually came up last weekend where I was visiting with my brothers. We were uh, at a baby shower for my niece and the four brothers and myself, so five of us. Uh, youngest are twins, now 50. Oldest turns 59 in in uh, November. And of course, I'll be 58 in December and then a 57-year-old in January. So we're all approaching that time of life where the topic of retirement comes up. Mm-hmm. I've got one brother who is CEO of a hospital and his stress level is super high and he can't wait to retire. Mm-hmm. And I, on the other hand, really enjoy what I do. You do. And I can't imagine not doing what I do because it's no longer about the money. It's all about I'm actually doing what I want to do. And I still have time and freedom to travel and do the things that I want to do with my spouse. But there was a different scenario for all of us. And so when we talk about these eight things that you have to do before you retire, the number one thing is figure out what's important to you and your spouse. And this this one thing, bud, is definitely a journey. Talk a little bit, Bud, about the prioritization exercise that we go through with people, because this is really kind of the beginning process for a discovery of what's really important. Well, it's funny you said prioritization exercise, because that's exactly what was in my head, you know, as you were talking at that point. And and this is when you really come down to, you have to have something in mind, you know, when you retire. And so we sit down with our, our spouses and we talk about what? Yeah, we're going to vacation. Well, what's a reasonable vacation amount? Is it one week, two weeks, three weeks? Are we in the country or out of the country? What are the costs associated with those trips? Does that damage in any way, shape, or form the amount of income we're going to live on? Everything needs to be vetted in the financial planning process through these various screens that we have to reassure you that you can accomplish what you're trying to accomplish 
but you must do that as a couple so that you're on the same track of, of, of what retirement means to you. And I think doing it as a couple is critical because when we're talking about discovering and prioritizing and really what's important, we're not talking about the money aspect. We're not talking about the investments. We're not talking about the economy. We're talking about your life. And that's really step one before you retire is you and your spouse, if you're married, you need to be on the same page. You need to listen to your spouse. Your spouse needs to listen to you because you're getting ready to spend a whole lot more time together than you ever have while you were working. And if you're not on the same page, a lot of times discontent can set in and you know, one spouse is driving the other one crazy. Yeah, that's true. You know, we have a kind of a compatibility test that we go through with clients and letting make sure that both spouses are having their their wishes understood, their wants and wishes. And I tell you what, we have, I think, one of the best conversation starters for the husband and wife to sit down and have a conversation and start to discover what's really important, and that is our retirement plan checklist. Now, this retirement plan checklist is here with things that you do at certain ages prior to retirement. There's a timeline starting 10 years before retirement, going up to the year of retirement. There's 30 critical questions that need to be answered, and these critical questions are where you really start getting the, the conversation started. So I encourage you to download your copy of the Retirement Plan Checklist, and then number two on our list of eight things you must do before you retire, number two is talk with a CFP professional. And you can get a conversation started with a CFP professional of Modern Wealth Management by clicking the schedule a meeting button while you see our calendar. You can visit with us virtually by phone or in person. And so those number one and number two are really, really critical, but there's eight. And when it gets to all of them, but I want to share with you the one thing I must do before I retire. And then, Bud, you've thought of something that you have to do before <laughs> you retire as well. Yes. So the one thing that I must do before I retire is buy a bulletproof vest. <laughs> Why would I say that? Because my wife would kill me if I retired. <laughs> now, all seriousness, so that I don't have to buy a bulletproof vest, I have to make a detailed plan with my wife so that we both have clear expectations of what that retirement is going to look like for the time that we're going to spend together and the interests that we have that are on our own. We need to understand each other and our expectations of ourselves and each other to really head into and have a successful retirement so that I don't have to buy the bulletproof vest. But. You know, and part of the experience that CFPs bring to the uh, equation is to force these type of questions and issues to be addressed by the couple rather than the person that might be the more dominant part of the, of the, um, of the event, if you will, of going through retirement. So what I wrote on here for what is the one thing you need to do before you retire is save more money. <laughs> but I also add on here, but where should you save? Yes. And that is a technique that needs to be understood early in your savings career uh, because what we're trying to do is to save as appropriately as we can in the, in the least taxing way possible. Either that or find a rich uncle. There you go. <laughs>
<laughs> All right, so let's get on to uh, number three uh, of eight things that you must do before you retire. Number three is critical. You need to understand your income sources. Bud, back in the mid-90s, there were a whole lot of buyouts going out on in the Bell companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, so that remember when they kind of eliminated that middle management? Oh, and, I remember perfectly. And there were people that were retiring prior to age 59 and a half where they had to do some creative things to get money out of their IRAs before 59 and a half, follow right. certain rules. Yeah. And at that time in the mid-90s, the 6% withdrawal rate was prevalent. And in fact, using IRS code section 72T to do those calculations of how to get money out of your account pre 59 and a half without a 10% penalty, actually the percentage of withdrawals were higher than that 6%. Then we got into the dot-com bubble and then things fell apart. And then the four, the 6% rule became the 5% rule. And then we had the lost decade and now, and then it became the four percent rule, and so right? <laughs> what's around the corner? <laughs> the three percent rule. Yeah, <laughs> but my point is that is understanding your income sources um, is much more complex than just saying, "Well, take the a value of your account, multiply it by four percent, and that's going to be the income that you can expect to get." I don't like that strategy. Do you? No, not one bit. And and just to clarify on the statements as you were making about the Bell people back then and the Reg 72T, those were codes in the tax code that allowed people to be able to take money out of a qualified account like an IRA without having a 10% penalty if you're under 59 and a half. The problem with it is, is that you had to take it out over a period no less than five years. Uh, and for many times, because they were young, it had to be a longer period of time. And as you were saying, many times that amount that was being distributed was greater than what the need was, but that's what you had to do. So what did that do? That forced additional taxation in every year because you were having to take out a higher number. Well, and if you change, if you change even by a dollar, mm-hmm. then they go back to dollar one and everything is subject to the 10% penalty. So when people that took those buyouts in the late 90s and then the dot-com bubble hit and markets went negative for three years in a row, there were a lot of people who started out at maybe a 7% withdrawal and all of a sudden, not for any fault of their own, but because of what market conditions did, maybe they're now at a 10 or 11 or 12% withdrawal. Looking at a self-fulfilling prophecy of draining what they had saved mm-hmm. in a very rapid fashion. And so a lot of people then were forced to adjust their withdrawal on that 72T and and, and do what? Pay the 10% penalty or go back to work. Yeah, but you know, the, the workaround on that from a planning perspective was you didn't have to put all of the money into the 72T calculation. I don't want to get into the weeds with this, but, right. but there are planning uh, mechanisms, to planning uh, that can be done to even make a sour note like that sing pretty good. Point is, understand your income sources, right? right? That's number three on our list of eight things you must do before you retire. And most people, their income sources are different than your neighbors or your uncles or your friends. Don't rely on them. Sit down (laughs) with a CFP professional and analyze all of your income sources so that you know where to take from, when, and how much and make sure that you can keep up with inflation and that it will last. Number four on our list should be none other than having a strategy 
to claim your social security. Yeah. Well, but that's easy. You just go to socialsecurity.gov and click the button that says apply and that's it. <laughs> and most people don't know that there's over 600 iterations of the way you can pull income out of social security and how you pull it out will be critical to how much success that you're going to have in the future. Because once you've established that you've established it, right? Right. And so therefore you want to make sure that you've vetted this through the, the proper type of filters, if you will, to make sure you're doing the right thing. Because remember, this decision is going to impact your spouse as well as yourself. And so having a cooperative type of understanding as to how to maximize the result doesn't mean just turn it on at 62 and and enjoy whatever you can. That doesn't work at all. Right. And you know, what people don't understand, you said 600 iterations. What they don't understand is if you take a couple at age 62 with the same earnings history and the same life expectancy, the difference between the best and the worst claiming strategy could result in $100,000 or more of additional income from Social Security That's during your retirement statement. lifetime. Yep. That's that's big money. That's mm-hmm. a that can make a big difference in your ability to enjoy the lifestyle that you want in retirement. You know, if I could sidebar for just a moment here, you know, we're talking about CFP, Certified Financial Planners. There's a lot of alphabet soup out there, folks. And I encourage you to go to the internet and ask, what is the best designation for someone who is prepared to help you in retirement? And I guarantee you it will show up as CFP, you know, but you can get confused or you can be led down a path from someone who doesn't have that expertise, which is no different than with an accountant. You wouldn't want to have your taxes necessarily done without a CPA. You shouldn't have your retirement done without a CFP. Well, I'm glad you brought up the CPA because I missed that part because your CPA should be on the same team as your CFP. And we've actually created that relationship here at Modern Wealth where we have a team of CPAs that work alongside our CFPs and we'll actually be in the same meetings with the client so that we're looking at the plan, not just from financial planning, but from a tax planning strategy, which by the way, is number six on our list. I'm going to skip number five and I'm going to go to number six, build a multi-year tax strategy. How do you do that? You do that by first having the CFP create the financial plan and then bring the CPA in to look at that financial plan from a tax perspective because the CPA understands that as long as you live in America and either have money or make money, taxes are going to be a factor of your life. So a good CPA working with a CFP We'll try to minimize taxes, not just in one year, but over your lifetime. So the goal is to pay as little tax as possible over your retirement lifetime. And fortunately for our clients and our business, you recognized that years ago when you said, but we need to couple the CPAs into the process here. And I'm going to tell you, it lifted the quality of what we're trying to accomplish significantly. And it really does, what I want to say, anchors the yeah. decision-making of the plan so we know we're getting the highest benefit we can on an after-tax basis. Well, part of the CFP curriculum is taxation, correct? right? But that is no substitute <laughs> no. for a CPA who has gone well beyond that taxation module within the CFP program. True. All right, so number five, create a spending plan. Some people refer to this as a budget, and a lot of people think that a budget is a dirty word, especially people that <laughs> are in their peak earning years and they're just, you know, they're living their life, they're doing what they want to do. And for the first time ever, they've got all kinds of uh, extra income that they don't need. They're building their savings, they're paying off debt. But as you head into retirement, 
Part of that early conversation that we talked about in step one of figuring out what's important is also to create a spending plan. And I like to encourage, Bud, I like to encourage people to think of their spending plan in phases. And that first phase, the early years of your retirement, when you have your health and you have the energy um, and you have your mental faculties about you, that's the years where you should be spending more and actually going and doing and fulfilling a lot of those dreams that you had. Because I know, and I've seen it, just saw it here this last week, where people, as they age, they get to a point where either mentally or physically, they aren't able to do those things. Mm -hmm. And I had a a meeting with a couple here, uh, along with their two daughters this last week, and we were talking and reminiscing about how they were so thankful that they took the time to, they actually did spend a lot more money in those early years, knowing that in the later years, they may not be able to. He developed Parkinson's a couple of years ago, no longer able to travel and do the things they want to do, but they did it. They mm-hmm. they really did it. And the daughters were happy for it. Uh, but that's, that's why I think a two-tier spending plan is important. And that's where it's something the couples have to agree upon. Yeah. And I can't emphasize enough that if you're not working with a true professional with the designations that Dean and I are talking about, you're probably going to be missing some very critical parts of the planning process that can make a big difference in the outcome. And you're right. You know, you you should be spending more in your earlier years when you're healthy because you know darn well you're going to be more, I'll use the word sedentary, you know, in your latter years. So factor that in. Well, how do I do that? Well, we'll help you with that. Yeah, that's you right. know? We'll, we'll show you that, yeah, if you want to take that trip to Europe and it's going to cost $15,000, it doesn't necessarily set back, if you will, your retirement plans, but you know, have to know exponentially, did it impact it at all in 10 years or 15 years later? Right. And so creating that spending plan, that's not a distribution strategy, right? That, that's not where your income is going to come from. This is what are you going to spend on, mm-hmm. okay? You create that spending plan, you kind of back up to the multi-year tax strategy um, and and because and understanding your income sources, these are kind of all tied together. Mm-hmm. So think about that. You created your spending plan. Now we're going to understand our income sources. We're going to have a strategy for claiming Social Security, and we're going to build a multi-year tax strategy. And that multi-year tax strategy is going to tell us what accounts do we spend from when and how much from each do we take to minimize taxes. Because at the end of the day, it's the net amount that gets deposited into your checking account every month that allows you to follow that spending strategy. Yeah, the question is, how are you going to fund what your need is in every given year? And by the way, what if we could say you can get a bonus? Well, what would a bonus be? If you use the right tax strategy, you won't screw up by paying Uncle Sam more money than you need to, okay? (laughs) So therefore, it helps enhance the result that you're looking for. But if you don't coordinate these two together, your absence of the true success that you can have. No doubt. All right. So other risks in retirement that you have to think about goes to number seven. One thing, number seven in the top eight things that you must do before you retire, understand your insurance coverages. And I mean all of your insurance coverages because health issues, catastrophes, premature death, those are all things that can derail 
the spending plan and the ideal retirement that you and your spouse have set out. So whether it's reviewing your property casualty insurances on a regular basis, making sure that you're reviewing your Medicare supplements on a regular basis, making sure that you have the proper amount of life insurance in retirement, you need to consider long-term care. There's all kinds of things that need to be taken into consideration. And so as you're, as you're building a plan out, we're always asking the question, what could go wrong? Mm-hmm. Well, things that could go wrong a lot of times are totally out of our control that require that we look at and understand how to ensure those different things so that that doesn't derail you. Yeah, I'm going to tell a story here that uh, happened to me just two weeks ago. I, I had two clients, a uh, husband and wife, that died within two weeks of each other. Uh, one of Alzheimer's and the other one with other complications. Uh, so we had a celebration of life a couple of weeks ago. And of course, my wife Peggy and I attended that. And in the process of that, one of the critical things that I want to take away with this is the fact that they had their beneficiaries in order. So normally you have the husband, you know, passes, the wife is the, uh, you know, <laughs> I was going to say. primary beneficiary. Yeah, right. Yes. I was going to say winner. <laughs> <laughs> but in that particular case, you know, that's just typical, you know, from that. But in this particular case, the next generation is now going to be the beneficiaries. If we had not coordinated that well in advance with their full knowledge and participation, then their estate, which was sizable, by the way, perhaps would have gone awry. Yeah. Yeah, so you're talking about proper beneficiary designations on retirement accounts, insurance policies, et cetera, trusts probably set up. Yes. And and we didn't even include estate planning in here, but estate planning will come in with point number eight of the eight things that you must do before you retire, and that is to create a financial plan that is forward-looking and that is adjustable and actually can live with you. Um, your financial plan should be a living, breathing plan that should be reviewed with your CFP and your CPA at least twice a year so that as things change in your life and economy and interest rates and things like that, you can make adjustments. And one of the things that is taken into consideration with a full-blown financial plan is your estate plan. Yeah. And one of the worst things you can have is to not have your estate in order, because if you're having to deal with what I was just describing a moment ago and you don't have a a secondary finality, uh, what I want to say, structured into your plan. So you know that if this event happens, that the next generation is going to be to get the, the money cleanly. How's it going to be divided? You know, otherwise, it's such a nightmare, you know, for people to have to deal with that at a point in time where they're you know, um, sad about what had just happened. Well, you, you want to make sure that you, you can make those, uh, you can make the estate settlement a simple process or you can greatly simplify it through proper estate planning. Mm-hmm. So let's just run through these one more time. Number one, figure out what's important to you and your spouse. Talk to a CFP professional. That's number two. Number three, understand your income sources. Number four, have a strategy for you and your spouse for claiming Social Security. Number five, create your spending plan. Number six, build a multi-year tax strategy. Number seven, understand your insurance coverages. And number eight, that encompasses all these, create a financial plan that is forward-looking. Get in touch with us. Get a conversation started with a CFP professional, and you'll see the difference that it makes when a CPA is working alongside of a CFP. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us here on America's Wealth Management Show. I'm Dean Barber, along with Bud Casper. Everybody stay healthy, stay safe. Until next time.
expressed represent the opinion of Modern Wealth Management, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Information provided is for illustrative purposes only and does not constitute investment tax or legal advice. Modern Wealth Management does not accept any liability for the use of the information discussed. Consult with a qualified financial, legal, or tax professional prior to taking any action.